This month we're looking at prayer, and our theme is prayer works. So I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, prayer works. And say it like you mean it, you know, prayer works. Because I really believe that prayer works. Sometimes we don't always see the result of our prayer straight away. And the first week of this month, we were looking at some of that. So we looked at, if anyone can remember, the theme was the house of prayer. In order to enter God's house, which is a house of prayer, you have to enter through something called repentance. And without confessing our sins and repenting, which means to turn around, go back on the way we were living, changing the way we live, we can't expect God to receive and answer our prayers. It's one of the conditions for answered prayer. And we were looking at that two weeks ago. And then last week, we had the privilege of having an even taller person than me. Um, Lau, all the way from Brazil, he came and spoke to us while I was in the hospital with my wife because we just had our third child who's actually here tonight. Please don't all touch her at once because wash your hands first. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, you know, we were in the hospital, but last week Lau spoke about being a true disciple, right? If I remember correctly, although I wasn't here, he spoke to me and told me what, what, what he spoke on. Well, tonight I want to combine those things together, and I want to speak to you about the disciples' prayer. So turn to the person next to you and say, the disciples' prayer. Amen. The disciples' prayer. What is the disciples' prayer? prayer. Before we get to that, I want to ask you, have you ever been in a situation in your life where you just feel so desperate that you don't know what to do? Has anyone ever experienced that? And you get like, it's almost like a paralysis comes upon you and you freeze. Now, okay, you still got to work and you do your things, but internally you're like frozen like this. And you don't know what to do. That was just for a bit of emphasis right there. You don't know what to do, and so you get like frozen. Well, tonight I want to speak to you if that's you. Because there is an answer. And the answer, we're going to find a little bit more about tonight. But I want to say this. It's in Joshua. This isn't my message. This is just a little, this is like, um, what do you call it, a prologue. Joshua 23, verse 8, it says this, but you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you've done to this day. The answer when you don't know what to do in your life is to cling to God with everything you have. Now, I have two sons and now I have a daughter. But one thing I've experienced as a dad is the strength of a child when he doesn't want to let go. At the beginning of the year, Noah had, my eldest son, he had like a nice Christmas vacation. And then he had to go back to school. And the first day, he did not want to go. And we got to school and he was crying the whole way there. Well, crying, he wasn't quite crying. He was just screaming, no, 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 the whole way to school. And we got there and I opened the door and he was like, no. 
He's quite dramatic. And I undid the car seat, and I went to get him out, and he, like, literally clung to the car seat. And I had to, like, prize his hands away. I felt really bad, but I know, I know he does it just so that he doesn't go, because the day later, he was like, am I going to school today? And I was like, yeah. He was like, yes, I love school. I was like, come on, yesterday you were, like, screaming and shouting no. Anyway, so I, I prized his hands away. And then as I was dragging him out the car, I sound like a terrible dad. As I was dragging him out the car, he grabbed onto the seatbelt. And you know, like the seatbelt extends. So I'm walking away and suddenly, oof. I was like, what? He's like, I don't want to go to school. So I prized him away and he fell on the floor. And literally, and then when I got to the actual classroom, he clung to me with like this strength that I've never seen before in a child his age. Like, I don't want to go. As I said, everything was fine. And next day he was like, yes, I love school. I want to go. Um, but the point is this. There comes a moment when you're in your life when like a child, you have to cling to God with everything you have. And that is the only solution. The Bible actually tells us to do that. He says, cling to God with everything you have. Do not let go of him because he is the answer to your problems because he is the answer to your difficulties. How do you cling to God? You pray. And you pray the disciples' prayer. What is the disciples' prayer? It's found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Many of us know it as the Lord's Prayer, but I want to say to you tonight, it's not the Lord's Prayer because the Lord only prayed it once. Is the disciples' prayer. Because Jesus said that prayer so that his disciples could learn how to pray. I also spoke two weeks ago that to be a true Christian, you have to first be a disciple. And then Lao backed that up last week. It's important to be a disciple of God. And being a disciple means to follow Jesus. And to follow him, we have to do the disciples' prayer. What does it say? It says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. And when you pray, not if you pray, no that it says that. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. How many of you have heard that prayer before? How many of you made that prayer before? Well, I want to say to you something that may shock you a little bit, but the Bible doesn't say pray this prayer. It says, pray like this prayer. Jesus says right here, pray then like this, not pray this. Now, I went to a Catholic school and they did this every day. I've heard it a billion times over. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Get, give us today our daily bread as we forgive those, etc., etc., etc. And you just kind of like spit it out. But Jesus doesn't say pray this. He says, pray like this. Now, tonight, I could 
go through this prayer bit by bit, but there's a ton of messages out there that explain to us why Jesus told us to pray like that and each step that we should go through. And if you want to find out about that, you can look up online, go um, find someone like Derek Prince, look up the Lord's Prayer. He's going to explain to you line by line, but I don't want to do that tonight. What I want to look at is a specific aspect of this prayer, and it's this. Right at the beginning, the key, and if you're taking notes, you can take this. This is my like one point tonight. You'll be happy to know that I only have one point because it's getting kind of late. It says, my point is this. The key to the disciples' prayer is sonship. What does sonship mean? Sonship means being a son. The very first line is the key. Our Father. Say to the person next to you, Our Father. Now say to the other person, My Father. D.L. Moody, who actually said this, he, he was the one who originally coined the phrase, the disciples' prayer. Um, I love I D.L. Moody, the way that he preached, the way that he spoke, and, and he was pretty strong about this. He said, You can't pray the disciples' prayer, unless you're a son. And not everyone is a son of God. Some people preach universal sonship is the theological term. Everyone's a son because we all were made by God. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says you're adopted as a son. Now, to be adopted, you have to have not been a son before. So there was a point in all of our lives when we weren't sons of God. But if we choose to accept his adoption, and I'm going to show you in a second how you can do that, you can become a son of God. And when you become a son, you can pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart. And you can be like my son and cling to God your father in those moments of dire, desperate need. And like a good father, he will answer you. Because his word says so. But it starts with that element of being a son. And most people on this earth don't really understand what it means to have a father because they've never had, a, had one before. Or the father that they had maybe wasn't a very good example of who a father was. Or even if he was a good example, they don't really know what their heavenly father is like because there's no one on earth who is like our Heavenly Father. You could have the best Father on earth and He will not even come close to how amazing, how loving, how powerful your Father in Heaven is. And when you choose to become a son, all of that becomes available to you. But before you can experience God's fatherhood, there are some conditions that you have to fulfill in order for the adoption papers to be processed, if I can put it like that. What are the conditions? Now, you know, one of the things that I, you know, God put on my heart and on my wife's heart is to adopt. We really want to adopt some, a child. Um, and I started to research it. I haven't got very far because we're still having our own kids, <laughs> as you may notice. But when it, the point comes, I know that there are some conditions that the adoption agencies put 
one of them, even if you want to foster kids, I don't know if you knew this, your water temperature has to be at a certain level. Did you know that? They're that specific and pernickety, if you use the English word. They're that, they come to your house and they check the temperature of your water. And if it's too hot, you can't foster or adopt. That's pretty extreme. But they take good care of their kids. The same is with the Bible. There are some conditions to be adopted as God's son or daughter. The first condition we looked at two weeks ago, it's repentance and the confession of your sins. And I'm not going to go through it all. If you missed two weeks ago, you can go online on g12church.com and listen to the message. But it's basically this. If you want to be a son, you have to confess your sins and receive repentance. Receive forgiveness, sorry, for your sins. You have to repent. You have to turn your back on your old way of living. And you have to step into a new way of living with God. The second one, and that's the one that I want to focus on tonight, is this. Forgiveness. I'm not talking about forgiveness, the forgiveness of God to you. I'm talking about your forgiveness to others. And this passage that we just read in Matthew chapter 5 finishes in verse 14. The next verse, it says this, For if you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And verse 15, listen really carefully to this. But if you do not forgive others their sins, neither will your Father forgive your sins. This is one of the hardest things for people to hear and truly receive. Because I know there will come a point in our lives when we have to forgive someone else. In fact, we often have to do it every day because people mess up. People do things against us. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're small. But the key to being a son of God or a daughter of God is that you have to learn to forgive others regardless of what they have done to you. Why? Because if you don't forgive them, God can't forgive you. That's what the Bible says. It sounds extreme, but it's fair. How can you expect God to forgive your sins if you aren't willing to forgive others? I want to read a story out from this book, if you get a chance to get a hold of it, it's like a dollar or something from Amazon, I think. The Joy of Answered Prayer by D.L. Moody. And I've been reading this lately. And um, he, he has a chapter called Forgiveness. And he tells a story about a woman that he was counseling. Her husband um, brought her to, to him and said, look, my wife is struggling with her salvation. She's not able to receive salvation. And so he began to talk to her and, and speak to her and preach to her. And he couldn't figure out what the issue was, why she couldn't receive salvation. And so he decided to lead her through the Lord's Prayer, or the Disciples' Prayer, as we call it. And he got to the point in verse 12 where it says, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And it says this, There she stopped. She couldn't repeat it. I repeated it. The second time, this is D.L. Moody speaking, and waited for her to say it after me. She said she could not do it. What is the trouble? She replied, there is one woman I will never forgive. Oh, I said, 
discovered your difficulty. It is no use my going on to pray, for your prayers will not go higher than my head. God says he will not forgive you unless you forgive others. If you do not forgive this woman, God will never forgive you. This is the decree of heaven. She said, do you mean to say that I cannot be forgiven until I have forgiven her? No, I do not say it. The Lord says it. And that is far better authority. She said, then I will never be forgiven. I left the house without having made any impression on her. A few years later, I heard that this woman was in an asylum for the insane. I believe this spirit of unforgiveness drove her mad. So many people cry out to God. God save me. God help me. God forgive me. But there are people in their lives they are unable to forgive. And I want to say to you tonight, don't be that person. Because the key to hearing God, to receiving the answer to your prayer, the key to your life changing lies right here in your forgiveness. And it's one of the conditions to be adopted as a son of God. When you learn to do it, you enter in to God's family. And what God does for you, you will never receive anywhere else. And I want to read a passage from the Bible to finish this bit up. And I want you to listen really carefully. You don't have to open your Bibles. I just want you to listen to this passage. Because this is the key to understanding God's heart for you. As a father who adopts his children, it says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Did you know you were chosen? Before God even created the earth. He knew you would exist and he chose you to be his son or daughter. Will you fulfill the condition? Because when you do, every spiritual blessing is there for you. And it goes on to say that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. God chose you to be his son or his daughter. If you choose to fulfill the conditions, to repent, 
and to forgive those around you. He can accept you as his son. And you can cling to him with everything you have every single day of your life. And from him, as the Father in heaven, will flow every blessing for your needs. Every blessing from on high. The answer to your prayers will come. How many of you want that today? I want to invite you to stand. Because today is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to understand the truth of God's word. It's an opportunity to step into that place to pray the disciples' prayer. To be a disciple. To be a disciple means to be a son or a daughter of God. To have a father in heaven. Unlike any father you have ever seen or experienced. A father who cares. A father who loves. A father who is head over heels for you. A father who loves you. Father who pours out good gifts to you and tonight you have an opportunity to do that but I want to I want to say if that's you here tonight if there is unforgiveness in your heart don't let another moment pass God wants to accept you as his son as his daughter if that's you if there's unforgiveness in your heart we're going to pray for you tonight. I'm going to invite everyone to just close their eyes. If you feel like there's unforgiveness in your heart, and you'll know again, you'll know. You'll know what it is. And you'll know against who it is. Because when you think of that person there'll be something in your heart that you can only explain as hatred or anger or resentment or bitterness or offense. And maybe there's a part of you who said in the past, I will never forgive that person. I will never let go. But I want to say to you tonight, if you don't take the opportunity tonight, you don't know when it will come again. Reverend Billy Graham said, the longer you go, the harder your heart becomes. Don't let your heart go hard inside of you. Learn to forgive. And with every eye closed, if you know that you have to forgive somebody tonight, I want to invite you to raise your hand. You're not raising it to me. You're not raising it to anyone around you. You're raising it to God. And you're saying, I need to forgive somebody here tonight. And I recognize that what God's word says is true, that if I don't forgive them, God cannot forgive me. And I want to receive God's forgiveness for my sins tonight. If that's you, just lift your hand and I'm going to pray for you tonight. And as I pray, I want you to pray as well. And I want you to release forgiveness to that person. I want you to consider that person, what they did, and then I want you to consider what Jesus has done for you on the cross. When he died for your sins, when he forgave you with his own blood, 
that you sent your son Jesus to this earth to show us what it really means to have a father who loves us, who cares for us, who wants the best for us. But tonight, Lord God, we recognize your word we recognize your word Lord we recognize that your word is true and we know Lord Jesus that unless we learn to forgive you cannot forgive us so tonight I want to pray for every person who has their hands raised every person who has maybe been struggling with unforgiveness that, Lord, tonight your spirit would come and help us, Lord, to forgive those around us. Lord, we pray tonight that you would release forgiveness in this place. And if that's you, you've had unforgiveness in your heart, I want you to just take this moment to release forgiveness towards that person. Imagine that they're there in front of you just say to them, I forgive you for what you did against me. It doesn't matter how big it was. Maybe they hurt you. Maybe they did terrible things to you. Maybe they even abused you with their words or their actions emotionally or even physically. But tonight God wants to say you can forgive because He has forgiven you. You can release forgiveness because God has forgiven you. All you have to do is say, I forgive you. And in those words, allow all that resentment, all that bitterness, all that anger to simply leave your heart. God, I pray that you would bring, Lord, your forgiveness here in this place. Lord, I ask for each person here that tonight we would experience your love, your compassion, and your grace upon our lives as we forgive those who forgive it, who have sinned and wronged us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. And I want to lead you in this prayer, the disciples' prayer. I don't want you to pray it monotonous way but I want you to pray it after me from your very heart I want you to feel every word that we say here tonight I'm going to speak each line and I want you to repeat it after me say this after me our Father in heaven I want everyone to repeat this after me not just David here at the front thank you David So if you're not standing, I want to invite you to stand. And I want you to repeat this after me like you mean it. Maybe you've never prayed this prayer before. Maybe you've prayed it a thousand times before, but you've never really meant it. But tonight, you can pray it and mean it. I want you to repeat this after me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from 
evil. We pray here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give God a round of applause. And I want to finish by giving everyone here an opportunity. If you've come with a need in your life, if you're praying for something this month, I want to invite you to come down here at the front and we're going to pray for you. If you have a need in your life, something that you've been praying for this month, come on down the front. It doesn't matter how small, how big it is. It doesn't matter if everyone comes. I want to invite you to come down the front as a sign to God to say, I have something that I need in my life and I want to pray for it tonight because we're going to have a time of prayer. We're going to pray to our Father in heaven. And we're going to ask Him to pour out His love, His grace, His compassion. Remember what we said two weeks ago, that His perseverant prayer is prayer that fills the bowl, the bowl in heaven that eventually gets poured out on earth. And the results are dramatic. Well, we're going to keep praying here tonight. But I want to encourage you as you come on down. I'm going to read you one last story tonight. And it's a story of childlike faith. Tonight, as a son or a daughter of God, in order to receive what God has for you, you have to have a faith that is like a child. Not like an adult. You have to be like a child, a kid. Because there's something innocent about children. When they pray, they just believe. They don't think about the situation. They don't think about the bills. They don't think about the money. They don't think about the logic. They just pray and believe. And I want to read you a story here tonight about a lady, a missionary in Congo. Over 20 years ago, she was called Helen Rosevier. She went to the Congo as a doctor, as a missionary, to work with orphan children in extreme poverty. And she tells this story. I want to read it to you tonight. She said, There's one night I had worked hard to help a mother in labor. But in spite of all we could do, she died, leaving us with a tiny premature baby and a crying two-year-old daughter. We would have difficulty keeping the baby alive as we had no incubator. We had no electricity to run an incubator. We also had no special feeding facilities. Although we lived on the equator, nights were often chilly with treacherous drafts. One student midwife went for the box that we had for such babies and the cotton wool that the baby would be wrapped in. Another went to stoke up the fire and fill the hot water bottle. She came back shortly in distress to tell me that in filling the bottle, it had burst. Rubber perishes easily in tropical climates. And it is our last hot water bottle, she exclaimed. As in the West, it is no good crying of a spilt milk, so in Central Africa it might be considered no good crying of a burst water bottles. They don't grow on trees. And there are no drug stores down forest pathways. All right, I said. Put the baby as near to the fire as you safely can. And sleep between the baby and the door to keep it free from drafts. Your job is to keep the baby warm. The following noon, as I did most days, I went to have prayers with any of the orphanage children who chose to gather with me. 
I gave the youngsters various suggestions of things to pray about and told them about the tiny baby. I explained our problem about keeping the baby warm enough, mentioning the hot water bottle. The baby could so easily die if it got chills. I also told them of the two-year-old sister crying because her mother had died. During the prayer time, one ten-year-old girl, Ruth, prayed with the usual blunt consciousness of our African children. Please, God, she prayed, send us a hot water bottle. It's no good tomorrow. God, as the baby will be dead, so please send it this afternoon. While I gasped inwardly at the audacity of the prayer, she added by way of a colory, and while you're about it, would you please send a doll for the little girl so she'll know you really love her? As often with children's prayers, I was put on the spot. Could I honestly say amen? I just did not believe that God could do this. Oh yes, I know he can do everything. The Bible says so. But there are limits, aren't there? The only way God could answer this particular prayer would be by sending me a parcel from the homeland. I'd been in Africa for almost four years at that time, and I had never, ever received a parcel from home. Anyway, if anyone did send me a parcel, who would put a hot water bottle in it? I lived on the equator. Halfway through the afternoon while I was teaching the nurses training school, a message was sent that there was a car at my front door. By the time I reached home, the car had gone, but there on the veranda, was a large 22-pound parcel. I felt tears pricking my eyes. I could not open the parcel alone, so I sent for the orphanage children. Together, we pulled off the string, carefully undoing each knot. We folded the paper, taking care not to tear it. Excitement was mounting. Some 30 or 40 pairs of eyes were focused on that large cardboard box. From the top, I lifted out brightly colored knitted jerseys eyes sparkled as I gave them out. Then there were the knitted bandages for the leprosy patients and the children looked a little bored. Then came a box of mixed raisins that would make a nice batch of buns for the weekend. Then as I put my hand in again, I felt, could it really be? I grasped it and pulled it out. Yes, it was a brand new rubber hot water bottle. I cried. I had not asked God to send it. I had not truly believed that he could. Ruth was in the front row of the children. She rushed forward crying out, if God has sent the bottle, he must have sent the doll too. Rummaging down to the bottom of the box, she pulled out the small, beautifully dressed doll. Her eyes shone. She had never doubted. Looking up at me, she asked, can I go over with you, mom, and give this doll to that little girl? so she'll know that Jesus really loves her. That parcel had been on the way for five whole months, packed up by my former Sunday school class, whose leader had heard and obeyed God's prompting to send a hot water bottle, even to the equator. And one of the girls had put in a doll for an African child five months ago in answer to the believing prayer of a 10-year-old to bring it that afternoon. Before they call, I will answer, says the Lord. Isaiah 65 and verse 24. 
doesn't matter how stupid or big or impossible your prayer may seem. God is a father and he loves to give the answer to the prayers that his children make. Whatever you're going through, whatever you need tonight, God can give it to you. I want to invite you to close your eyes and lift your hands to heaven. for you. And tonight, Lord, I ask you for this need, for my problem or my issue or my situation. You're just going to right now say to God, God, help me in this situation, whatever it might be. You're going to speak out to him just where you are and just say, God, help me. God, help me in my need, whether it's financial, whether it's in your family. No need is too small or too big for God. Just say to him where you are, God, I ask you to meet me right here, right now in my need. And I ask you to answer my prayer tonight, Lord, as my Father in heaven who loves to give good gifts to me, Lord God. I declare it tonight that I believe in you. I believe that nothing is impossible for you. Lord, that you are my Father and you give good gifts to me. Tonight, Lord, I proclaim my faith in you and I ask that you would give me the answer to this prayer that I am praying tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give God a round of applause and just lift your hands and let's just declare this song where you are. Just lift up your voice and sing it out to him. You're believing.